Welcome to the New Flesh Podcast. My name is Brett Arnold at Brett Redacted on Twitter, and I am here solo from my parents' house in Skokie, Illinois. My girlfriend is sitting feet away from me. I am talking into my iPhone headphones. If I sound uh, worse, it's because that, well, that's why, Um, (laughs) uh, but also... If uh, uh, let me know if it doesn't sound much worse, because the equipment I use is very expensive, and this I already have, and it doesn't sound that much different to me. So, uh, so let me know if it makes a difference, because you could be saving me tons of money, listeners. Um, yeah, so I'm here solo. Joe has got family stuff going on, uh, and I made him do a solo last week. After forcing him to pay money to watch Slice. So uh, I really owe him one. I'll get to Slice. I mean, it's been, that movie has completely exited my brain uh, at this point. It's very forgettable. But um, I listen to Joe's podcast, which, you know what? Great solo Jolo. Um, I don't, don't get your hopes up. I didn't write any material. It seemed Joe was very uh, prepped with jokes. He was he was riffing. He was killing it. Um, I don't know what this is gonna be. I just felt like I had to I had to do this for the fans. Um, so there's actually a ton of horror news this week. A lot of uh, movies premiered at Fantastic Fest in Austin. So there's some stuff to talk about there. I saw a lot of movies in addition to Slice, which you'll get my take on also. Um, what else is new? Uh, spent the past few days doing, you know, uh, Chicago touristy stuff, uh, but mostly just eating. Joe was right. It's dangerous being back here. I just hit up all the places I want to eat. And because I'm only here for, you know, a finite number of days and I'm not here that often, I just get all the food that I've ever wanted, all of it in a few day uh, span. And I just feel horrible. So, uh, half of this podcast may be recorded from a toilet. See if you can figure out which portions. <laughs> um, all right. What else, what else to say before I just roll right into the, the B's and the P's? I think this will be a short episode, but I've said that before and then it's been like three hours. So let's hope that's not the case. All right. Bits and pieces theme song. Uh, I gotta keep it down. People are sleeping in this house. I'll try to do something uh, uh, seductive and quiet. Bits and pieces. Bits and pieces. Oh, yeah. Bits and pieces. Alright, that was a little much. I'm sorry, everyone. Alright, uh, I think Joe... I'm not... I, I didn't listen to all of Joe's episode last week. I think I did. I skipped through, or I listened to it while I was working or something. I'm pretty sure he didn't mention that last week it was announced that uh, Jordan Peele is in talks to remake Clive Barker's Candyman. Yes, the movie uh, that we, uh, you know, out 20 years, came out over 20 years ago. Um, 
the franchise has been dormant for 20 years, in fact. It came out so long ago, early 90s, 1992, I believe. And we randomly decided, you know what, that movie's underrated. We need to do a series on it. There was no reason for that. There was not like Candyman was, has a, had a resurgence or anything. We just did it, put it out in the universe. Lo and behold, days after, uh, I think we were still in doing the series when this was announced, or like days after the third episode came out. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and say that the new Flesh Production House has another, another entry. We already made the, the Purge TV show happen. Uh, which I still haven't checked out, but uh, it's on my list. Uh, Joe said that's promising after episode one. Um, but yeah, now we've also willed into existence a remake of uh, Candyman, which I believe on the episode we talked about how ripe for a uh, remake it is. And I, I don't know if we said Jordan Peele would be a great fit, but holy shit, what a great fit. Uh, if anyone could tackle a horror movie with such uh, huge racial, you know, undertones. Even that movie's not very subtle. Uh, overtones. Just, t- it's very racial. It's a racial horror movie. It isn't just a guy with a hook killing people, although that's also there. Uh, the film has a lot going on under the surface. Uh, we know it was filmed with Chicago Projects, and it ha- had a lot to do with uh, that space. And it was, uh, you know, that stuff has only gotten more... Uh, relevant now and that movie would play like gangbusters in uh in 2018 i feel like there's tons of people who've never seen the original Candyman who uh would think would think it's brilliant and uh, this movie will allow them the opportunity to do so uh so jordan peele is in uh talks to produce the remake through his uh production company monkey paw and we don't know who will direct or write or anything like that but Bernard Rose has openly stated that he would love to do a proper sequel to the film. So maybe getting him involved with the remake wouldn't be a bad idea. And considering, I mean, that movie is incredible. Go watch 1992 Candyman. Bernard Rose made a gem and his career hasn't been, uh, I don't know. I feel like he, he may have expected a different career path than he ended up with after making such a great horror movie. But that movie didn't get its due until, uh, until later. So we'll see. And speaking of Jordan Peele, it was also announced. We knew he was producing uh, the Twilight Zone remake, uh, the TV series for CBS All Access, CBS's streaming app uh, and website. And now we know that he's going to do the Rod Serling gig. He's going to executive produce it while also uh, narrating and doing the uh, introduction. So he's going to be the host. He'll be the host and narrator of the Twilight Zone uh, it's really exciting. I can't think of a, again, just such a great pairing. Uh, the, uh, Joe and I always talk about anthologies and how much we like wish there were more uh, good horror anthologies out there. And Twilight Zone is such a perfect format for that. And, you know, I'd be interested in seeing some remakes of some classic Twilight Zone episodes, but also just get amazing writers in there. And every, it's, that's the thing about shows like that. Every week you could have a new amazing writer, an amazing director, and an entirely different you know, material. It's not like the Twilight Zone is one thing. It can be so many things. And it's very exciting. And uh, Jordan Peele, what did he say about it? He said, Rod Serling was an uncompromising visionary who not only shed light on social issues of this of his time, but prophesied issues of ours. I'm honored to carry on his legacy to a new generation of audiences as the gatekeeper of the Twilight Zone. Very exciting. Uh, Fantastic Fest is going on in Austin, and the lineup is fucking bananas. Uh, the secret screening was Suspiria today. 
Uh, it did. Everyone on my Twitter feed loves it. We already knew that the film premiere. The film premiered. Uh, oh, I think it was in Canada. I forget what festival. It premiered very recently, and people loved it. And it's uh, the tradition continues. Of course, the Austin crowd loved it a little more. I think it's more attuned for that uh, audience. This is kind of like a horror festival or like a genre festival. Uh, the J.J. Abrams produced Overlord, which people thought was a Cloverfield movie, but isn't. It's the the Nazi zombie movie, D-Day, Eve of D-Day, Secret Nazi Lab, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that movie premiered. And based on the tweets, uh, people really liked it. Here's Howlin' Matt Donato, uh, I believe New Flesh listener. Tweet at me if, it's, if that's true, Matt. Uh, Overlord is everything I wanted from a World War II Nazi zombie movie. Shades of the Thing, Reanimator, and hardcore horror influence amidst grunts and grit military warfare. Explosive action, gruesome sci-fi experimentation, massive fun. Uh, Scott Weinberg, friend of the show, said it's one of the best video game movies I've ever seen. Oh, it's not based on Castle Wolfenstein? Really? A lot of people saying that. It's a lot like Wolfenstein or Resident Evil meets Wolfenstein. Um, Eric Vespi of Ain't Cool News, or formerly of Ain't Cool News, I believe currently of Rooster Teeth. Uh, it's amazing that something as gory and unapologetically exploitation-y as Overlord is being released wide, filmed as an A picture, taken seriously by all involved, which makes the insanity that follows grounded enough to not be silly. Very happy with this one. And Robert Leefield, I believe is the creator of uh, Deadpool, said, Whoa, badass, men on a mission, World War II film, meets powerhouse Lovecraftian horror, hits all the buttons. And then later he tweeted, Still got it on the brain, great direction, fresh cast, slick effects. Perfect sci-fi war movie horror mashup. Uh, so that sounds good. Into that. Uh, but more excitingly, I believe this one, uh, Gareth Evans, you know, the man behind The Raid, movies we love on this podcast. If you haven't seen The Raid and you're into action movies, you actually don't know shit about action. Because that movie, you would have known about it. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, and there, he has a new movie called Apostle that I've been avoiding the trailer for, but many people have told me I need to watch it because it looks amazing. But I'm sold. I don't need to watch it. Uh, and it comes out October 12th on Netflix, I think. And that movie premiered at Fantastic Fest, and I've only seen hyperbole, like just insanity. Here's Eric Davis from Fandango. Apostle is among the craziest of the crazy cult movies I've seen, gorgeously shot, gnarly as, as all hell. Gareth Evans continues to churn out ferocious genre movies, this time to create the slow-growing, morbid vibe that becomes a wildly graphic gothic horror, and it hits damn hard. Someone, uh, Preston Bartha, said, Apostle, the only way to watch this movie, if curious, is to have a double feature with Paddington 2. Trust me, you're going to need it. Jesus Christ, that was dark as fuck. Um, and Bloody Disgusting gave it 4.5 out of 5 skulls. How many burritos will we give it? Uh, stay tuned. Uh, yeah, that comes out October 12th and it just sounds bananas. And I'm really sorry about being vague, but I'm trying to avoid reading about it and watch, hearing anything about it. Cause Gareth Evans in a horror movie and I'm, I'm just saying I'm sold. Uh, and Rob, this is weird news. Robert England, who is, I think said it before. In fact, I know he has, I've been at a, my friend said, Keon, friend of the show said, that last time Robert England was uh, at the Music Box Theater for like a horror convention, he was charging two hundred fifty dollars to take a picture and sign us uh, and sign it or like you know sign his headshot or whatever, because he uh, said he was you know never gonna do the he was never gonna be Freddie again and like he would never get the makeup on again, but 
he is, and it's not for anything very exciting. Like he's not like doing the role again in the movie. He's guest starring on ABC's The Goldbergs. Robert England in full '80s Freddy regalia, 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 potato, tomato, whatever. Am I having a stroke? What's happening right now? Um, it's called, the episode is titled "Nightmare on Elk Avenue." And it centers on the fears of the show's teenage protagonist, Adam, after seeing A Nightmare on Elm Street. From what I understand, that show is constantly doing these, like, rips from pop culture things. Uh, I think, what's her name from We Are Now in Ones in the show? Wendy McClellan. She's great. Uh, I don't watch this show, but I will watch this episode just to see uh, Robert England as Freddy. And uh, maybe this will spark interest, especially the timing, because uh, Halloween the movie is going to come out October 19th. And uh, I think it'll do amazing. And then they're going to be like, Robert England, we're just on the Goldbergs. He's clearly game. Let's get him back. Let's do more. I am predicting the third <laughs> New Flesh production will be a remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street. That does star Robert England. They did the Jackie Earl Haley one, which was an unmitigated fucking disaster. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that, but... uh. I really think they're going to remake it. And if they do, it would be silly not to get Robert. And I think he would do it. Dude needs money, you know? All right, moving on. Uh, more, the Joker is like a year away. And if you remember when The Dark Knight came out, the viral marketing was like, it, it was probably a year or more uh, of that. And it was very subtle. And you never saw the Joker's face until like, uh, I don't even know. I think it was a trailer reveal. Like the big, uh, the first trailer I think had it. But they teased it a lot, and you never saw it. Um, they're really doing the opposite this time because there's already a, a, a screen test video that they put out of uh, his uh, just walking Phoenix laughing, and then the Joker mask or the paint gets on him, and he's like laughing, and it looks really cool. And then there's all these set photos of him at, I believe, somewhere on Wall Street in Chicago at a train station. And you know what? <sighs> I don't want to think this movie is good. like it just doesn't sound like on paper it's going to be good. It's like a Joker standalone movie directed and written by uh Todd Phillips who did like you know um the Hangover movies and old school and like the he did a fish documentary <laughs> in fact. But uh the the look of Joaquin Phoenix as a Joker I think actually looks really cool. He's got like uh, I don't know how to describe it other than like actual like you know clown like a you see the carnival makeup. It's got like the blue under his eyes and like red eyebrows and like a big red face, red mouth. Uh, I think it might have potential. I think just think it looks cool. It doesn't come out till October twenty nineteen. It's a fifty five million dollar movie. It's gonna be darker and more experimental in tone and content than most superhero movies. It's a mid budget crime thriller. Not a superhero blockbuster. The cast is ridiculous. It's Joaquin Phoenix. Apparently Robert De Niro. Zazzy Beats. Mark Maron. Brett Cullen. Bill Camp. Shea Wiggum. Glenn Fleshler. I'm just naming people I don't know at this point. But uh, exciting. Moving on. This is just me reading news to you. This doesn't seem like uh, an exciting episode. I hope, uh, let me know if this was worth your time. I'm just seeking validation. Uh, Child's Play remake. We've talked about it so much. Uh, now we actually have some more information. 
We have a cast. It stars Aubrey Plaza, surprisingly, and Brian Tyree Henry, who is a paperboy if you watch Atlanta. Uh, and that's a that's promising enough for me. And uh, Gabriel Bateman, I guess the kid from Get Out, or no, sorry, Lights Out, much worse than Get Out, uh, will be the new Andy Barclay. And Child's Play follows a mother who gives her son a toy doll for his birthday, unaware of its more sinister nature. And we have uh, the news here. Which is, I just realized it's so stupid I'm doing this news because it's visual. There's a picture now of what Chucky looks like, the new Chucky. And it looks... Not different enough from the old one for there to be two different franchises going right now. We all know Don Mancini, Brad Dorif are still doing their version, and it's going to be a TV show, and it's going to be their Chucky, and this Child's Play is its own thing, its own remake. So is there going to be a new doll? Will it be named Chucky? I don't know, but uh, go look at that picture. I'm sorry I wasted your time talking about it. Um Friend of the show, Michael Rothman of uh, Consequence of Sound and the Losers Club podcast, uh, sat down with uh, John Carpenter. And uh, during that interview, I haven't read all of it, but there's a breakout. And when the breakout is that he kind of teased to them, uh, to Michael, that he's doing a, maybe doing a show for Shudder. And that show might be Prince of Darkness as a TV show. Uh, Joe, when I texted Joe that, Joe said that movie is criminally underrated, and I agree. Uh, the movie, I think, is from 87. It's got Donald Pleasance. It follows uh, a vicar and a crew of nerdy students who investigate a sinister-looking cylinder at a Los Angeles church that may or may not contain the devil himself. That movie is a Carpenter classic, and it's kind of, yeah, I feel like there's, a, there's, there's more, like, that, that, that could be a show. And Shudder is, uh outdoing themselves they got this in the works allegedly and they got uh the creep show anthology show a lot to look forward to everyone trent reznor and atticus ross are uh doing the score for the for the hbo Watchmen, which is very exciting uh their next movie project i think is a million little pieces and, uh, and they're doing Jonah Hill's directorial debut for A24, the mid-90s. Uh, mid uh, Nine Inch Nails, you know, released a record this year. They're on tour. I'm hopefully going to go in a few weeks. Uh, but, I mean, they won an Oscar for Social Network. They've done Gone Girl, Girl Dragon Tattoo. They've done so much since they uh, started with, I believe it was Social Network, was their first score. And, I mean, it's not. I was already kind of sold on Watchmen, I think, We've all we've said that the show or the the it it could lend itself nicely to a longer adaptation, but then it turns out it's not an, a direct adaptation of the book, so it'll be a Damon Lindelof-y thing. And I used to hate Lindelof, but after watching Prometheus enough times and getting into the Leftovers, I think I have turned a corner and I'm I'm a fan. And uh, I was already into this idea of the show, and now it has a score that I'm know I'm gonna like. I love Nine Inch Nails. I love Trent Reznor, so. Cool news. Ain't it cool news, everyone? Eli Roth directed a children's movie starring Jack Black and... Uh, 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 why am I blanking on Blanchett's name? Jesus. Kate Blanchett. Carol herself. Uh, that movie debuted this weekend to $26.8 million domestic, which is uh, Eli Roth's biggest ever. And uh, bigger than Ghost, uh, Goosebumps, which had like a $23 million debut in 2015. 
which is like on par with what this movie is. It's a horror movie for children, um, which is pretty good. Uh, Assassination Nation, huge flop. Joe and I are going to try to watch it for next week. It sounds like, I think it's a modern retelling of like the Salem Witch Trials. People compare it to The Purge. It's got Bella Thorne in it. It made un- it pulled in a million dollars only in like 1,400 theaters. It bombed terribly. Um, and then, yeah, what else have I got here? <laughs> Child's Play, we talked about that. Oh, uh, the guys who did Paranormal Activity 3, who were the guys who did the documentary Catfish that brought us Nev Shulman. Uh, so Henry Juiced, Henry Juiced and Ariel Shulman, those are the directors. They also did that movie Nerve, which I liked a lot, with, uh, I want to say, Emma Roberts and uh, Dave Franco. That was a fun movie. Uh, those guys are doing a sci-fi movie for Netflix that will star Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. There's no title yet, but here's what we know. The film concerns a drug epidemic that gives people a range of superpowers. The protagonist is believed to be a teenage actress of color who finds herself dealing the drug to help care for her family. Sources say Jamie Foxx will play a family man who has suffered a great loss and is just desperate to trace the drug's supply line and find its designer. While Gordon Levitt will play a beat cop who takes law enforcement matters into his own hands. Sounds cool and generic. Um, there's a Bloomberg article that came out that confirmed a lot of rumors about The Walking Dead, namely that The Walking Dead movies are coming, and that's not it. Um, that's not all, I mean. AMC plans to produce multiple movies and new TV shows based on the graphic novels that spawned the series. AMC has talked to several large media companies about partnering on the projects, which collectively could cost several hundred million dollars, uh, said the people who asked not to be identified. Uh, AMC is still working on the details. The pillars of its plan are becoming clear. The company wants to produce several movies for a TV network or streaming service that could spin off into different series, said the people. So they're not content with their one massive show and then their second massive spinoff of that show. I know the, the, the viewers get worse every year, but it's still hugely profitable um, for, for AMC. So of course, they're just going to keep milking it until it's dead. And it's kind of smart because it sounds like they're going to actually... This is like their 10-year plan that all this stuff was revealed in. And it sounds like they're going to try and do like, you know, overseas stuff and more like foreign stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, why not see what's going on in Asia during this time, uh, during the, the Walking Dead's uh, time frame or whatever. Uh, I just wish I liked the show because it would be great if there was all these threads of a good show. But the show is so goddamn boring. It was goddamn boring nine years ago now, I think. And uh, around then, and uh, from what I can tell, people have like are are thinking are saying it's gotten worse, which is unfathomable to me. So I don't know. Maybe stop watching, and maybe they'll stop making it. But uh, until then, AMC's got a cash cow. All right, I need to move on to uh, what did I watch? Three, two, one. What did you watch? All right, I'm really breezing through here. I'm a race. I'm racing against time here. My computer has 13% battery left, and I don't want to get my charger, so I'm just gonna keep talking. Um, all right. Well, I guess the rest of this episode is just gonna be what did I watch because there's no main event. I watched a lot of stuff though, and let's see if I can remember it. Oh, oh. <laughs> It's been, I think, three or four weeks of me saying I have to talk about searching, and then I keep forgetting. And 
it's been so long that I forgot what the movie was. No, I'm just kidding. I remember it. John Cho uh, is a dad whose daughter goes missing. It's one of those movies uh, that is, it's like Unfriended, where it all takes place on a computer screen. Uh, and it, this movie proves that that format can work with stuff that's not just a horror movie. This is not a horror movie per se. I would say it's a thriller, mystery. Um, and it and it doesn't feel super forced. There are a couple moments when it does, I would say, and the third act actually kind of loses me a little bit. And Deborah Messing gives a very strange performance in this movie. Um, but overall, I would say Searching is totally worth your time. It's very engaging. John Cho is such an underrated actor. He's been so good for so long. It's great to see him with uh, this movie in Columbus. came out a couple years ago or last year. Uh, he's he's getting he's picking good good roles and he's getting like leading roles. He's always kind of been a side guy, you know. And uh, Harold and Kumar was big for him, but it's good to see him doing, I'd say, higher regarded fare than that. But uh, when I walked into searching, it was playing at two different. It was at two screens, and the person ripping my ticket told me the wrong one, and I like was running a little late. I thought so. I like didn't really look too hard and just ran in there and I sat down and the movie had already started and I was like shit like ah oh, the previews must have been really short and I sat there for literally 10 minutes before I realized that the movie had been playing for like an hour already so then I went to the other theater and luckily the previews were still going and then I saw the whole movie but I was very confused I don't know why I felt like saying that I just uh it's what it's what happened that's these these are my stories they're not good um, what else about searching? It just kind of has this implausible, and I, I was fully with it, and then it kind of has like a, not a twist ending, but like a, oh, okay, ending that like kind of made the rest of it not as interesting. It just, I kind of wanted it to go, I just am a horror fan, I wanted it to go darker. Uh, Unfriended's ending was so fucked up. By the way, Unfriended, I think, is available now on, uh, like VOD and rentals, uh, iTunes, whatnot, you should totally fucking see it immediately. It's one of the best movies of the year. Hands down, bar none, etc. I wanted it to go full unfriended in its ending, and instead searching was just I don't wanna I don't wanna ruin anything. It was a little disappointing, but overall worth your time. Uh, what else did I see? I also saw Oh, a simple favor. Paul Feig adapted what I must assume is like some trashy paperback that was on the New York Times bestseller list at some point. Uh, it feels it feels like the book was like, you know, just not... It's just like it's pulp, you know? It's pulp. And uh, Paul Feig was the perfect choice to direct this movie because he usually does comedies, but this movie is definitely very, very, very funny, and I would say it's comedy, but... It's more like a thriller, like or not even a thriller, just like a uh, some sort of mystery. Uh, let me explain what the movie's about. Uh, it uh, stars Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively. They're both moms. Anna Kendrick's like a mom with like a vlog. She's very buttoned up, and uh, Blake Lively's like this super sexy model woman who's got like a boss ass job and kind of is like funny, like just drinking all the time, drinking. You know, he's, very heavy alcoholic drinks, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Anna Kendrick's character and Blake Lively's character become 
friends and it's pretty unlikely friendship. And then before long, Blake Lively disappears. And uh, I don't want to ruin anything, but I would describe the movie as like, if you told me that was like someone read Gone Girl and was like, oh, I can do that. And then they wrote it. I would totally believe you. It's very similar in a lot of ways, but it's like through a different lens. Uh, and there's a little bit more twisty and turny. I'd say the movie kind of, it doesn't like lose its uh, luster towards the third act, but like I definitely enjoyed the ride to the third act more than like the reveal of what all, you know, what was actually happening. It's just such a fun movie. And Blake Lively gives, so does Anna Kendrick, but Blake Lively is fan-fucking-tastic in this movie. She's so funny, so good. Um, and it's a shame that, like, the you know, it's a shame that this, that I think she's, like, it's, like, Oscar, an Oscar-worthy performance, I would say. And it's crazy. It's not, it's just, it sucks that the Oscars, you know, would never nominate a movie such as this. Because I don't think, the, maybe the movie doesn't deserve an Oscar, but her performance is subversive, subversive enough uh, that I think it does deserve one. And it's a bummer that it's definitely a long shot. Maybe it'll happen. There are costs sometimes when like a good supporting actor or actress role gets through. I don't know if it would even be supporting or main. It kind of might be supporting. Um, but it's a great little movie. It's so fun, you guys. Hysterically, like laugh out loud funny. Uh, keeps you guessing. The reveal is whatever. The movie's just a really fun ride. And I can't, yeah, I mean, I don't, it was, it was just fun. I was, I saw the movie walked out feeling completely satisfied, which is a rare, r- rarer and rarer these days. Uh, I also just watched what I would say is movie pass ventures. First good movie, which is American animals. It's a, it's a hybrid documentary slash like movie, like a fictionalized retelling of what the, you know, what they're going on about in, the, in, in said movie. Uh, it's really clever. Uh, stars Evan Peters and that kid Barry Keoghan or whatever, who's uh, the really scary kid in Killing of a Sacred Deer. It was entertaining. It's a, based on a true story that's like actually was more unbelievable than I thought it was going to be. It was like, they really botched this crime. Uh, it's just a fun little heist movie, but interspersed with uh, footage from the real, with the real people. And it actually provides for some clever uh filmmaking like you know something will happen and then the guy will be like you know well this is what he said and here's what i said and who knows which version is right so like nothing revolutionary like other movies have done that but uh the format worked really well and the movie is very uh it's engaging there's nothing nothing boring about it i think it's worth a rental Uh, what else have I got? I'm going to end this pretty soon. I got two more movies to talk about. Um, before I get into Slice, I want to talk about The Predator, which I went to, uh, I think like a late night show in the middle of the week was just like, all right, I'm going to see this thing. After putting it off for days and days, I didn't want to see it. I heard it was horrible. Everyone shit talked it. It had this huge bad PR thing going on with Olivia Munn getting that guy uh, got a scene cut because there was a sexual predator in the movie. Uh, So it had this like cloud over it. And I think maybe that's what caused everyone to shit all over it because I saw it 
and I have no idea what people were bitching about. Sure, it's dumb and like it's a dumb it's Predator. It's a dumb action uh, action movie. Uh, it has a you know a group of misfits trying to run like uh, run around and kill this thing. It's, and like they're annoying as all hell. I agree, but I didn't care. I thought the movie was a lot of fun. I did not expect uh, after reading the reviews to care, but Shane Black. Well, you know, when Joe and I heard Shane Black was doing it, we both were really excited. We both love Shane Black movies, and you know, the characters and the snappy dialogue. And the writing in this one doesn't, uh, I don't know, it doesn't lend itself, it's not as good. <laughs> um, it's just like the characters aren't as interesting as his usual characters. It's, and there's a lot of characters here, because like, you know, you have to introduce a bunch of them, because a bunch of them are going to get their heads chopped off and whatnot. Um, I will say, it seems like the movie... They reshot the third act. A lot of third act talk today. They reshot the third act, it appears. It just kind of turns into one of those like big, uh, just a bunch of action sequences piled on top of each other towards the end because they thought that's what the movie needed to fix itself. I think it probably tested poorly or something. Um, but the movie is, is kind of clever. It actually kind of steals the premise of like Arrival. It's just like Olivia Munn is like, you know, this scientist brought into the Predator Project. She's like an act. She's from academia. They bring her in. She's a civilian expert. They're found to talk uh, to to look at the alien artifact they find, which is of course like you know the Predator's uh, crashed ship and helmet and all that shit. Um, but before they do that, uh, uh, there's a army sniper guy named Quinn who finds the technology or who who like sees the crash. And, like, first, the first thing he does is, like, you know, report it. Uh, but before he reports it, he, like, sends the helm, a couple of the pieces home uh, to his home for, like, safekeeping. And his son is J uh, Jacob Tremblay, the kid from, from Room. He's there. And, of course, he he's <laughs> – it's actually really weird. He's, like, autistic in the movie or, like, some sort of on the spectrum. And, like, that's what enables him – to be able to like decipher the predator language and like fuck with the uh, the predator's helmet and like communicate with them, it's it's totally absurd. Uh, there's another weird illness thing in this movie. Like uh, Tom Jane's character's got Tourette's and is just saying dumb jokes and it's supposed to be funny and it's just really stupid. And then it turns out I looked at Twitter and like uh, Shane Black revealed he has Tourette's. So so uh, I guess he gets a pass. He's just trying to get some uh, inclusivity and uh, representation. On screen, I like it. Um, but it's pretty weird that, like, a big plot of the point of the movie is Jacob Tremblay's, like, uh, savant-like ability to communicate with the Predators. It's pretty silly. But I'm telling you, I don't go... I don't know what people were expecting. Like, I just... My expectations were so low, I thought it was going to be, like, unwatchable. And it was a little long. Like, it's almost two hours, I think. But it's totally watchable. It's exactly what I expected from a Predator movie. It's sure it's a hot mess and uh, it has a lot of bullshit going on. But I just, I, th <laughs> I think what it comes down to is I like that it was gory. When there's kills, they're pretty good. Uh, the movie just moves pretty well. Uh, and I will say Olivia Munn puts on a really great performance. Like the first time I think she was like really good in something and Sterling K Brown was really fun. It's a fun movie. It's d if you, if you were, if you're expecting like, uh, I don't want to say high art cause of course you're not, but like 
I don't know. I just don't know what people wanted from this. To me, this was a very competent, like, Predator movie, which is itself a B movie, you know? It, it worked for me. Uh, I'm getting delirious here. Jesus Christ. Uh, what else to talk about? Oh, Slice. Slice is... Slice plays like a movie. It, it's like what happens when you write a script and you ask a friend to read your first draft, and they read it, and it's like mortifyingly bad, and they just turn it back and, to you and say, yeah, no, it's fine, because they don't want to deal with it. I think that's what happened with A24 here. I have a theory. Because this movie is so amateurishly bad that it got dumped on VOD. They didn't even put it out. It had one screening across... It had a Fathom event-style screening uh, in Chicago, and, like, sure, it may have played well in a crowd with, like, excited people, but I, I don't know. Like, it's baffling. It, it has, like, a high... Uh, it only has, like, a handful of reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. And if you click on them, a couple of the positive ones are actually negative. Or they're two and a half, you know, two and a half out of four. Or two, or two and a half out of fives. And then it's, like, the, 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 the person who wrote it gets to choose if it's fresh or rotten on Rotten Tomatoes in those cases. And they both chose fresh. But if you read the reviews, they both shit all over it. One of them is Randall Colburn of uh, Consequence of Sound Losers Club podcast, friend of the show. And yeah, he didn't seem super hot on it, but he gave it a, he, he was nice to it. I think they, uh, Consequence of Sound wants to stay in Chance the Rapper's good graces. He's been known to get negative articles deleted. This is true. Look it up. Um, but Slice, I think what happened with Slice is Austin Vesley, I believe is his name. He is a ca- collaborator with Chance in the Past. They've worked on a number of music videos together and other projects. I think he had this concept, this script, uh, Slice. Uh, Joe told you the plot. I'm not going to talk about it again. <laughs> um, but I think he had this premise and he had Chance attached. Chance is like, yeah, dude, I'll do it. And they sold it to A- A24 on that alone. Maybe even on spec. I don't know how long he had the script for or what. But I, to me, A24 bought it because... They saw Chance, the rise, his rising star, and they're like, yeah, we'll do it. Let's buy it. So they bought it. They gave it a minimal budget. They shot it. And they quickly realized, oh, shit, this is a, this is a disaster. We have, there's, there's not a movie here. If you watch this movie, I don't know if it's cutting room floor what happened. Like they edited it. They had pizza together because it, it was like disparate parts and it wasn't, didn't make sense. But like the movie doesn't make sense like it's just a series of sequences it's not a there's not really a plot it's first of all the budget is so low that like the ghosts in the movie are just like dudes with white paint on their face and i think it's supposed to be campy or something it's just not the movie's not really a horror movie it's trying to be funny it just has like horror elements and uh chance the rapper is the star of it he's in it for maybe 15 minutes total screen time not even maybe 10 and his character is a werewolf and I and I think I thought it was a running joke that he wasn't a real werewolf because it's not a re- it's not revealed to the final scene where he like uh, transforms and it looks it looks like it was trying to be an imitation of like Michael Jackson's thriller uh, werewolf or something and like not in a nice way like I think that looks cool it looked it looked cooler in the eighties like it looks horrible in this movie and every shot the eye looks like his eyes whoever's i'm convinced it's not chance in the in the in the wolf makeup and whoever it is like if if you watch this movie which i'd recommend you do not i actually took screenshots and tweeted them but his eye like the eyes for the for the costume 
just don't they they don't they don't line up properly from shot to shot continuity wise like they're just moving all over the place like they're cross-eyed it's so funny and stupid um the movie has that like what every bad horror movie has which is like a pair of like super racist cops that are like ca- cartoonishly uh bad and racist and ridiculous um everything about i honestly i had an open mind i really wanted to like this movie Every I, everyone I I mean they had I had a good you know good tomato tomatometer score or whatever I wanted to believe it was good, but it's just so unfathomably bad, and uh, everyone in it like especially Zazie Beetz who like you know has grown up gone on gone on to be huge and be in like Deadpool two and she's great on Atlanta, she clearly like signed on for this early and then, ugh, I just feel bad. I feel bad for most people in it. Uh, Paul Shear doesn't get to do anything really fun here. It's just everything about it feels like a missed opportunity, and it's both it's both over explained and underdeveloped. Like he builds this incredible, incredibly vivid world with like all these ideas of like ghosts live here, like ghosts are like uh, the second class citizens here, and then like it's all just that surface level of an interpret of of representation. Like there's nothing it's not subtle in any way but even even when it's not subtle it's not it's not saying anything it's like what's your point what are you getting at uh i just kept waiting for it to like come full circle and it never really does it just has like this weird narration that allows like you know a journalist investigating it to be like the thread that connects everything and then it just ends with really it has a big cgi finale a really bad cgi finale and then it ends and i can't believe it's just like I was going to say, I can't believe no one's talking about how bad it is just because no one's seen it. Um, I think if people saw it, they'd be like sh- like shocked by how low rent the whole thing is. It's just kind of a bait and switch. A24, uh, they got stuck with this turd of a movie and they had to do something with it. So they, they VOD it. You know what? I'd say they made the best of it. They had the, they sold whatever tickets they sold for the, for the opening night. Uh, they'll probably, I don't think it's ever going to get a physical release. And like the people who are curious about chance fans, they'll rent it. They'll they might buy it, but they got burned, and they're they're gonna take this. They're gonna take the L on this one. It seems. Uh, hopefully, Joe and I will be back next week with a regular episode. That's not me just talking to myself. Uh, yeah, and I also remind me to remind Joe that I want to do Rob Zombie's Halloween movies in October because we skipped them and we did uh, the original Halloween series and it seems like uh, you know Halloween's back baby so uh, thanks for listening sorry that it was just me and this was useless uh, Joe and I are gonna try to see I think assassination nation for next week and uh, I want to see a house with a clock on its walls the Eli Roth movie um, I'm gonna try to do all those things. Uh, and we'll be back next week with a real episode that's not just me reading news at you. Goodbye. Mock the new flesh. I've learned that death is not the end of the new flesh. Mock the new flesh. I was hoping you'd be back. <laughs>